The following podcast may be explicit. One Joe Young presents Adventures from the Shed, a tabletop RPG podcast. You can find us online at adventuresfromtheshed.com. Welcome to our fourth sidebar episode of 2017. Chris and Joe start off by discussing things we wish both ourselves and others would do, whether as a player or game master in a tabletop role-playing game. Others in the cast join in as they arrive. Enjoy the podcast. Hi, and welcome to The Shed for Adventures from the Shed. You can find us online at adventuresfromtheshed.com, on iTunes, Facebook, Stitcher Radio, Google Plus, Bing, all over the place. We have a special episode today. It is just this person I have here with me who is... Chris. And myself, Joe, and we are going to be doing a sidebar episode today. And we're going to focus this around on uh, on things that... Um, we think that we want to have somebody else doing that we would normally do. For example, one of the first things we'll talk about here is when you're a player, what do you wish the game master would do that you would do if you were the GM? So it's kind of one of those things that uh, you're, you're uh, kind of calling your own bluff or, or asking somebody <laughs> to do something you would do. And one of the reasons I thought this might be a fun sidebar is because I know when we sit around the table as a group of friends, sometimes it's really hard to bring up something you wish someone else would do, and you you might just be reluctant to do it. And I thought maybe if we just talked about it openly, it might give some other people some ideas on how to handle it. So, hey, go ahead and say hi, Chris. Hey, it's Chris. Hey. it's. I said say hi, and you said hey. So here's one thing I wish you would do. (laughs) Damn it. I know. I think I think it's almost like I do that because I'm after Kurt. He's like, "Hey, it's Kurt," and it's like, "Hey, it's Chris." It's hey, like, it just goes along the lines. So we're doing this sidebar right before we get some of our other episodes recorded today. So this is kind of um, a nice spot for us to just talk uh, openly about a few things and see how it goes. So, what do you think, um, Chris? I know uh, w- one of the reasons I thought of this topic for us is we're both on the podcast and off the podcast. We are both players and game masters. Um, I don't know, maybe kind of on a regular basis. I think both of us GM more often, but when it comes yeah. time to be a player, I know there are things that I wish would happen. Um, what are your thoughts? How do you want to start us off? Uh, I guess for me, I mean, I, I want to make sure a GM is, uh, I guess, is open to, I don't know, not necessarily like, uh, breaking the rules, but... For me, because I always try to think of things thematically, like if if this game, if the session was like a TV show or a movie, how does it play out? What makes it cool for a cool story? And not necessarily so much about the rules, you know? So I kind of want the the GM to kind of like think of that, think of it in that way where, well, the rules don't allow you to do that. Well, so what? So what? I still want to do What it. makes it dramatic? <laughs> what makes it very, you know... So if you can think of an example of where that happened when you were running a game, what did you allow when you normally wouldn't have, if you can think of it, uh, or make up a good example, one of the I other think words. for me, I mean, I, I, I've done this as a GM, you know, and like other GMs may not because they're, you know, like my older brother is very stickler. He's very much uh, strategy-based. So for him, it's almost like him against the player characters on uh, yeah. how adversarial. he plays it. Yeah. Right. So I kind of just let it play out. You know, my thing is like, whatever's cool to make the story awesome. And like an epic scene, even though if it's something like, Oh, I kind of want, you know, not that I'm trying to railroad my players ever, but I have an idea of like a start and a finish and type of thing. And I kind of want it to, I have a, how I have it in my head, how, how I think your things are going to play out. And sometimes the, you know, the players will always, <laughs> always throw the monkey wrenches in and things don't go as planned. But sometimes, like, man, I never would have thought of that, and I'm glad that player brought that up, and that was very mm. cool, you know. Uh, my things might just be, you know, I might need 
I don't know. I guess uh, I guess you kind of want your players to. Uh, well, I guess we're still on the GM thing, maybe a little bit more. Um, you want, we'll, you, we'll cover all of yeah. it. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess you kind of want your DM, you know, or GM, sorry, to uh, try to be a little more uh, open-minded about things and not so stuck on the rules and how things should play out. Or even maybe they ha- you don't want to get railroaded either. You know, you want them to have yeah. be open to your improvisations or things like that. So how do you think that's affected when, um, for example, say you're running a pre-published module, which I, I don't think you do that often, right? I do. I'll take pieces from because – I'll usually have an idea for our, like a like an adventure, and then uh, for me, it's like I need to get stats for this or this or this, okay. and so I just do a search for that, and I end up pulling stuff from an adventure. I'm like, well, that's a cool little idea, so I'll take that one part or mm-hmm. concept, and I'll meld that into what I already had, and it might be an offshoot of the main storyline, but it's yeah. not part of the main storyline. So, but normally, that, yes, I don't do go full blast straight. So, story. so let me use a, a little bit of an example there, because especially on the podcast. And maybe even only on the podcast do I run the published adventures because they fit the format so well. Yeah, uh, we have Pathfinder Beginner Box, the Star Wars uh, Star Wars Age of Rebellion, our favorite, the D and D starter set, which we keep revisiting. Um, it, it's such a great uh, pre-published adventure, and I think I, I agree with you there. And I'm I'm hesitant when I say keep it open because I know how frustrated I was in some parts of these published adventures where I felt I want to, I want this scene to play out the way the players want it to, but I know if I change this, then I'm going to have to search through the book for all of the implications where, right. you know, if you kill Sally, then does Sally show up later in the story? <laughs> yeah. And if so, yeah. then how do I accommodate that change? Do I just, you know, do the crappy thing and resurrect her or maybe leave a note behind or something like that? So there is a yeah. piece of that, that when you're playing a published adventure that I feel there's a certain bit of leeway given to the GM or DM. I think they're interchangeable. But um, it, it's tricky to do because I still love to freeform it. Um, my only problem with the like the starter set adventure was some of the formatting of the book and how things were linked wasn't clear. You really had to read through each part to uh, see that the effect of doing action one in scene A really did have an effect in scene you know B and scene C or whatever it was. Those actions really did could have a cascading effect. Right, and the the scenario was written that way. So I still wanted to play it open, and I remember throughout that recording, I would get frustrated. I would feel like my hands were tied in certain spots, and and that's not something I normally do. I I try to let things stay open and free. So for a published adventure, it's so iffy. I mean, if you know it, I think as the the person running the game as a GM, if you know the adventure, feel free to mess around with it. That, that's the way I feel. And if I'm playing, I want that freedom, especially because that published adventure might be available to the public. And I might know it all as a player. Right. And it would be really uh, cool if the GM would start messing around with that. Right, which I had. In, yeah. I pulled some stuff from... Which I think you played like on the end part of it uh, with my group, you know, a year or so ago, where I'd pulled some ideas from like I think it was the Age of Worms uh, adventure path. I've, I, I had certain lines of that that I melded into mine, and one of the players I could tell he obviously had read some of it, and he yeah. thought, and I was like, I, I had already switched it up because I knew, yeah. you know, there's a chance of that happening. 
So he thought it was going to go one way, and it completely didn't. He was confused, but that's fine, you know, because yeah. you can't. You're going to have those players like in the read ahead, maybe if they mm-hmm. have it available. Okay, well, that's, that's another say, reason why I don't like to use published stuff all the time. And, and I would say that fits with this first question. If I'm a player and I happen to know the adventure, like I would love to play the D and D starter set as a player and have a GM mix it up. I would love that, and, and I would love to be doing that myself. When we first did it, and with the games that we play out of a starter box, I like to stick to what's there simply because it's a representation of what people would buy. So if anybody's making a purchase decision off of our play, which might be a you know, <laughs> suspect thing to do regardless, right. if they happen to be, at least they'll get the full view of what we experienced out of the box, right. as written, etc. But I, gosh, I would love to play that starter set right from the beginning, from the Goblin Ambush, <laughs> And just have somebody kind of mix it up along the way. Maybe it starts with a cobalt ambush or something like that. Right from the beginning, something a little different and just go through the book and change this character to a different character or something like that. Or the players are the guys ambushing somebody. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, something like that. And that would fit because players do all that kind of stuff. (laughs) A bunch of murder hobos. So (laughs) Exactly. For me, one of the things that I think that I do as a GM, that when I'm a player, I wish the the GM would do for me is when we're playing a game, when I'm the GM and I feel like nobody is catching on to what I think should be going on. I lead. I specifically say, so the next thing that happens is, or maybe you want to try this because as a player, when somebody sets up a scene and says, all right, you're standing in a room and there's a fireplace and a table. And I know this room is central to the plot. But all I've got is a fireplace and a table, and I say, I want to look around to see what else matters, or is there something hidden under the table, or is there something in the fireplace? And the answers are no, no, and no. Right. Okay. So or, now or, or you get stuck on the rules, like, well, you can do a search. Well, they just crapped out their rolls. Mm-hmm. Well, you got to let them find the thing they yeah. need. You know. No, so I agree. I'll lead I agree it. With if, that. I, if I'm in the same situation and I'm running the game. Then I'll say, and one of the table legs seems a little bit shorter than the others. Just, I mean, throw something out yeah. there that, that sounds a little odd just to get someone to look. And even if it's not true, just anything to lead, to help, to yeah. give people some ideas. Um, you know, maybe if you looked up the chimney, you know, that's where Santa Claus is stuck or whatever. Right? <laughs> it's, it's one of those things that I'll do as we're playing and it makes a big difference and look at this jj and mickey walked in as we're 10 minutes in and we don't have microphones set up so you guys are just going to have to listen into us talking for a bit although if you shout we'll hear you say hi say hi loudly hi guys hi y'all <laughs> um so w- when we're doing that i love to i love to lead and what i notice when i listen back to our episodes is it usually means i talk a hell of a lot as a gm oh, which yeah, is yeah, normal right Right, but we'll we'll be and in the, a situation. Uh, I'm listening back to that last episode, trying to to prepare for today. I realize I set up the scene inside of the Rutherford. I don't know, like 15 times, because I felt like right. I wanted to keep saying what was going yeah, on. Yeah, and we were trying uh, to, and we're yeah, you know, as the players overthinking, they you know they're planning yeah. ahead to see to have all the pieces just in case. What happens of this? What happens of this? And yeah. Right, and then you're re-explaining, now this is what it yeah. looks like, and this is how these people and, and are And I here. got a big kick out of it, at, and, and Mickey's in there, so she might chuckle at it, but um, from the time we arrived at the Rutherford to the point where Mickey's character walks in, in real time, probably took 15, 20 seconds. I think we played that for more than half an hour, and it was just, all right, so the room looks like this, the outside looks like this. 
um, Kurt's character's waiting for the keyword to uh, yeah. to take a sniper shot, yeah. and we keep re-describing the guards. Yeah, then really I'm like, wait, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I was like, wait, wait a minute. What am I? Am I seeing this? Am I seeing this? Right? Yeah. So I guess in in saying what I would right. do, I'm also presenting it as it's kind of a hazard that I felt like when I re-listened to that episode, I over narrated although i think it may have helped i feel like i said things over and over and took time away from the players so that goes to one of the questions that i mentioned here when i'm a gm what do i catch myself doing that i wish i would stop <laughs> <laughs> and and that that's kind of part of it as i listen back to that episode i feel like there probably could have been another five to ten minutes of character interaction if I hadn't reiterated the scene as many times as I did. So I, I do find it that, I guess it's a, one of these double-edged short sword things that I love to lead the players. If I feel like they're not getting the scene I'm setting and they're not setting their own, yeah, then I'm going to lead them along and try and reiterate what's I'm, going on. Right, I'm the same. And, and even if you listen, if, you know, people listen back to the, you know, the recent D and D episodes where, yeah, it's I, ha- I have set up a mystery and it's kind of confusing and what's going on. So I will use NPCs to kind of lead or t- yeah. or or kick off that next thing. They'll notice. Oh, okay, yeah. we should go check this out now. And whether yeah. it's intentional or not, some of the right. times that gets me as a player. I'm thinking, all right, so now we have these bald people with eyes yeah, tattooed totally. around their heads. What right. the hell is that? Right. And they know Bree. Uh, so I feel at that point I'm I'm a little lost I was so happy that they just exited the scene after saying we couldn't find the package it's like they were done perfect I don't have to think about them right Right. now (laughs) it was nice that's JJ clearing his nose (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah so while we're while we're on that, anything else you can think of that when you're a player, it's something you wish the GM would do that you would do if you were the GM Uh, I like uh just mentioning the NPC things, I like having a, a world with a lot of different characters, even if you don't, even if, like, you see them that one time, and man, it's like another five adventures before that dude shows up, you're like, hey, hey, you know, it's always cool, I, I would, and for me personally, I always like that, like, oh, I remember that guy, and he, mm-hmm. he just did this one cool thing, or had this little interaction with one one character, and oh, he's back again, it's, I don't know, it's kind of like, it has a, a little bit of a nostalgia feel a little bit sometimes, mm-hmm. like, oh, the character came back, and, and even... Maybe he was a dick or something, but it's like, oh, it's an annoying guy again. The PCs are like, oh, that guy again. You Mr. Know? Dick. Yeah, yeah so yeah. I, I think that's a lot of fun when you have more than just the PCs running around doing stuff. You know. I agree. I, I, I think one thing that um, you do as part of your preparation, it seems like everybody may get a first and last name. Um, and my characters, my NPCs, I try and stick with a first name only yeah. because I only have one word to remember then. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I think... One of the things I find myself doing on occasion is I will give some NPCs first and last names, which is a freaking dead giveaway that they're important. Yeah. Right? It's not just <laughs> Phil anymore. Yeah. It's Bruce Flair. It's yeah. Champagne Horace. Yeah. It, you know, it's, wow, I gave them two names. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> they're getting paid a little more. They might stick around. <laughs> so let's flip the tables on that. When you're the GM, what do you find your players... Um, not doing that you would do if you were a player? Uh, coming up with some background information that I could use later on or to move a story along or yeah. to create a whole adventure on. That's the big... For, if, and granted, we were using like the D&D starter set guys mm-hmm. that have not much of any backstory right. and all that. So I kind of like the last adventure, I kind of created a little bit of backstory for Bree yep. with the oh. introduction of the other characters. So 
but yeah, like players, even if it's just a couple lines, right, you could use that for later on, you know, and tie some things in and make it more interesting. Now, this is kind of the opposite. It's something a player did that I liked was when you did that to Mickey's character, uh, Bree, Mickey rolled along with it. Yeah, that was awesome. And that's awesome. perfect. Yep. Right? It's, oh, yeah, blah, blah, blah. You, yes, you, went, yeah. you still suck. Yeah. You know? These fucking guys are getting right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah, I know you. How'd you get in with this crowd, <laughs> yeah, idiot? Right. Yeah. But um, that, that it's kind of the opposite of what we're talking about, things that we wish they would do. So, I mean, I would say that, too. That That's a great point of when the um, when the situation is presented, I think the vast majority of the time, if it's not a published adventure, that the player has free agency in my games to be able to say, well, I remember that guy from wherever, and poof, there's yeah, something there. Action. That's something that both the player and the GM can work with. Yeah. And um, I, I think I feel like I do that sometimes as a player. I know when, when I'm a player here in the shed, it's another thing, too, of I don't, I don't want to monopolize the podcast then either. Yeah, yeah. So it's a, it's a different thing with the format, but I still, I love sitting there and playing, and I want to narrate a whole lot. Um, you know, uh, JJ wants to know if I can add in here, and I think the short answer is yes, so I'm going to click the stop button, and we're going to be right back. You won't even know we were gone. Commercial pause. All right, and JJ is with us now. Yay. There he is. So, yeah, JJ, our first question was, when you're a player, what do you wish the GM would do that you would do when you're the GM? Or something that you already do when you're the GM. And you're sitting there as GM saying, gosh, I wish these players would blank because I would. Ooh. Um, yeah. <laughs> and you're a good one for this. I, it was started with Chris because, just like you, both he and I are GM and player kind of regularly, probably GM more often in general. Yeah. Um. Honestly, when I get a chance to play, uh, usually I've been GMing, so I just relish the break of not having to be every single PC, NPC. Um, so what do I wish would happen is uh, I would say just getting into the head of the character more. Like, I, I wish that um, we would all be better at doing what would my character do. So use, um, use that and give me an example of something that you would have done as a player that you wish somebody had done when you were GM. And you can even make up an example or use a real-world one. Like, think of a game you were running and a player didn't do something and it's like, I would have blank. Ooh, um... Honestly, a lot of times, like especially after Kurt mentioned mm -hmm. that he wanted to bring up the notebook, and I tried to give him opportunities, maybe I was being too underhanded or whatever, mm -hmm. or he was too checked out, but he Kurt will do that on occasion. He never, he never took the opportunity to, yeah. you know, bring the notebook into play, and it was one of the things that he laments about the whole Strahd campaign. Yeah, that, that we went all goofy, and yeah. he wasn't um, thorough with his character. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so what? how do you, and, and I've kind of switched the question a little bit, but how do, you, um, how, do you, how do you manage that as a player? How do you do that thing that you wish the player would have done? Honestly, it's, it's, it's a little of being a selfish dick, Mm -hmm. and stealing the limelight yeah. when you can. Go you know, like, 
I, for example, when Perils of Paradisi was the Strong Dawn, mm-hmm. I tried to commit suicide by going into Hasara's realm, and yeah. and like I was attempting to steal the the spotlight, like, mm-hmm. and I did, I, I did steal the spotlight, <clears throat> and I try to do that where I can because I feel like that's where character flaws and um you know traits just come out is 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 when you when you do something to steal the spotlight okay so you almost want your players to all be you know ball hogs so to speak (laughs) cool so go ahead just to speak about flaws because i guess we're kind of doing both questions originally (laughs) ball gags because we we kind of moved into the second question um have characters have flaws? Why do they have to be these superhero badasses that never make mistakes? Like, because then you could have the GM can use that, you know? Yeah. To like, oh, that guy, you know, like, not that we went too crazy with you know Victor Bartok, but he you know stepped over the line, you know, and you yeah. almost, all right, I'm gonna you're gonna get penalized for that. I man. Call, you, I you called keep, him out. You yeah. keep going down that road. Yeah. But yeah, that guy, you know, everybody's not going to be perfect. Maybe you know, mm-hmm. have that, and it makes I think it makes characters more interesting, and it could make the story where, like, maybe that that PC, like, oh man, he's going to cause problems for the group, and they're going to have to deal with whatever that happens. You know, yeah. So I think that's cool to bring into as well. And yeah. and I think I was going to bring up because I said go Baylor. I was going to bring up the Calvin thing again because it's one of those where I feel like if Calvin was in an interview. His strengths and weaknesses would have been the same thing. You know, I proselytize all the time is my biggest strength, and I want everyone to go to the light of Paylor. My biggest weakness, I proselytize all the time, and I want everyone to. So it's one of those, I don't know, called a a perfect storm of of easy character, because it wasn't difficult. That was easy character, but it was so much fun. And it was just, I grabbed onto something, and I overdid it. And, and it was something that some, somebody had posted on Facebook. At first, I found it annoying, but then yeah, I was on board. Yeah, by the he wants to make a right. shirt or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, it's like you know, just because doing X might win the game, win yeah. the campaign, doesn't mean it is the the what your character would do. Yes, exactly. Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> like honestly. Father Bartok chopping off someone's hand mm-hmm. was probably one of the more extreme things you could do if you want to quote unquote win the campaign. Mm-hmm. But it was well well within the realm of uh, character traits that Father Bartok has. Yeah. He's got that twisted past and all that. Yeah, he's yeah. got he's got some issues. Um. <laughs> so Mickey has a question here. The silent Mickey today. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it goes along with what we were just talking about. As a player, how do you ball hog but not showboat? Because I think those are two distinctly different things. Yeah. And um, if I got that right, it took you a while to choose those words. Yeah. yeah. And those are very well chosen words. Thank you. Yeah. So how do you, how do you do that? I guess for me, uh, well, with Calvin. So the other thing I did with Calvin was I made him not particularly bold until the situation was dangerous. So the creepy doll head thing, <laughs> he was not at all bold. He was just freaked out. He didn't want to go near it. What have. But then when we got into an actual combat, he would step in to defend somebody. But I, I think as far as the ball hog piece of proselytizing, I would just throw it in there. For example, rather than going through an entire sermon, which I probably could have taken the time to type up and everything, I would just say... He's going to sermonize now, 
we do a roll, and then I say he was great, he loved it, everyone loved it, and move on. And that's kind of, it's dealing the limelight briefly without necessarily overdoing it, without taking 10 minutes to actually speak out all that stuff that happened. What do you think, guys? Well, for me, I typically, um, I'll reflect upon a, a, a session, um, and I'll use uh, Calamity as my case in point. Um, which we called Calamte. Calamte, yeah. yep. Okay. Um, my paladin of commerce, when we took the trip across the sea, I sort of retconned with Joe um, the reason why we were attacked by the pirates. Yeah, that's true. We it was, it was, yeah. at, it was, you know, it was in between sessions. I was like, hey, I got this fantastic idea. You know, what do you think? Can we make it happen? And to me, that's, that's me showboating so to speak but in between um in between sessions like i'm i retcon it a little bit i try to figure out how that 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 session could have had more flavor and you know in a way before chris goes i'll expand on that because in a way that's that's an extra bit of cleverness there because then you get you get that limelight you get to hog the ball as it were not the balls, uh, a ball gag hog. Um, but it's not just you. Now you're double teaming your time with the GM because mm-hmm. the GM participates in this, this bit of limelight that you just created as well. So that was, it was interesting in that when that came up, we were both able to talk about it with knowledge. It wasn't just one side making something up. We both knew it and we were able to explain Yeah, the world it. doesn't just exist when record is pressed. No. It keeps going. You can think upon it and, you know, try to enrich the environment mm-hmm. um, in between. And like, I know it's tough a lot of times to think about the game in between because not a lot of people do. But yeah. um, for those who are willing or, or desire to spend time in between game sessions to do it, that's a great way to help approach it. Yep. Chris, what about you? How do you, how do you think you can be a ball hog but not <laughs> showboat? I, from a player standpoint, I guess you need to know your player and maybe his strengths and just use those at the right spots where you're not trying to win the day all the time, but you're using like, well, that's that's my bag, so I'm going to shine right now because that's my thing, and everybody else should take a back seat so I can use what I'm good, you know, good at. You know, that's a good through. point. Nobody else shot him in the knee, <laughs> right? That's something that was remembered for one character, very specific. And that definitely was a moment of hogging the ball. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, I want to shoot this guy so bad. Shoot him in the knee. He's got, he's gonna be, I'm, I'm going to shoot him, shoot him. Yeah, that, that's a good point. Yeah. Play to the character. Or, or the, even, like, as you said, you kind of work something out with the GM. Like, you even have the GM kind of letting that PC have a little bit, you know, of the limelight. It's, mm-hmm. it's the setup from the GM are kind of setting you up to make the play for it, you know. And I... um. I will, uh, I guess, both confess and brag to a little bit of that, where I got the idea years ago, I was reading behind-the-scenes stuff with Star Trek The Next Generation, which, by the way, turned 30 just a couple of days right? ago, which is pretty cool. That is crazy. Now, that does make me feel substantially older, yeah, because um, I was not a child when I watched that. But um, with that series, I went back, and there was so much stuff I read, and I want to say this was probably 10 or 15 years ago, I was reading about it, and... They started the series as plot-driven. 
And then <clears throat> as the series went on, it went to character-driven story. The, the entire episode was around one character, one, one actor or, or the character on the, on the Enterprise or off the Enterprise. And they spent the whole time developing that character. So when I read that years ago, it was one of the things I thought of as we were going through a 30-episode campaign in the podcast. And I did this either two or three campaigns where we would spend an entire session. And for us, that's either three or four episodes. And it's all based around one character. Um, the, the one with Calamity was a, a, a good example in that each character got a section of the whole campaign. Yep. And this was their section. This was where we explored their backstory, where they were going. One of the times Chris was a guest star on it, he played Jer, mm-hmm. I think was the cleric that was in Brittany's character's backstory. And that's how I, I use that piece. It exposed the character so the player has more time with that one character. It definitely take the spotlight for several episodes for us or for a full session and a regular game day. Right. So that's another way to do it. And, and that's a collaborative piece. It's both between the GM and the player. Yeah, I've kind of forced that with like the little D&D thing, which is I know it's kind of like... Uh, I feel like it's kind of very last minute, the D&D stuff we're doing, just oh, to kind of fill, fill, fill space. It is. So I kind of forced Mickey to kind yeah. of like, all right, Breeze more center stage because of these other characters, but not completely, but it's a little bit more geared towards her. Because if she wasn't there, then I couldn't really use those other guys that came in. You yeah, know, it's kind but of, I'll tell you, too, it's a little more integral some for compliments to, to the chef on that. I still haven't thought of a name for the uh, Dresden Files Adventures campaign, but I was calling yours Let Them Eat Dirt after the first oh, session. Yeah. I mean, that, that has a name. Okay. It was so easy to come right, up yeah, with it yeah. because you had a good, cohesive theme. Yeah. Um, so it was nice. On the topic of showboating, though, like, for example, um, I feel like showboating is the player attempting to go above and beyond. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that that should ever be punished. Like, I would love if Mickey would do um, a diary again, like she did with Nessalus. I love that because I could write part of it. Yep. You know, so like, you know, she's got this, this lore book with the Monster mm-hmm. Hunter and the Dresden Files thing. She could totally be doing, Mickey's taking you know, notes. like, <laughs> and I'm, I'm actually planning on doing, um, because of how anal retentive uh, Fitz is going to be, um, after this mission is over, he will be handing out progress reports to the rest of the party. Nice. Okay. I'm going to hand him a belt, probably. <laughs> a belt, yeah. <laughs> it has to be one of those canvas, like, Boy Scout belts yes. where you pull it through oh, and then totally. it holds by yeah, tension. Yes, yes. has to be one of those. Yeah, I can dig it. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, 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 plan on, I plan on trying to get into fits better by, um, by actually submitting case files to the White Council, um, and I'll post those up on the, on the website. Nice. And um, I'm also going to be doing progress reports for each of the player characters. Nice. That's actually a great idea. And, and that, uh, that, <laughs> that's kind of one of the, it goes along with one of the questions. So here, one of the, um, it, it's twofold because it's both from GM and player perspective. When you're in that role, so when you're a GM or when you're a player, what do you catch yourself doing that you wish you could stop? And I think showboating would be one thing. But I think from that perspective, one of the pieces I was just thinking of, and I don't know if this is where you were going with it, Mickey, but the idea that when you're showboating, chances are it's other people that are being affected, not you. So other players are probably just sitting there saying, gosh, would he stop already? This is too far. And I'm wondering (laughs) if that's part of the, the perspective that you were thinking. And for me, that's where I say, when I'm a player, what do I catch myself doing that I wish I could stop? And I've said it a little already. 
if I catch myself talking through the whole scene as a player, then nobody else is talking. I need to. I, I just want to lead somebody else. How about you go check that out? Yeah. All right. Um, when we were fighting the Earth Elemental, I think it was the Earth Elemental and the creepy girl on the opposite sides yes. of this house. Yep. Before we started that, and I know I wanted to go. I don't know, catch the little girl so the earth elemental wouldn't hurt us. I kind of just, I was nudging Bree. I'm like, Mickey, go, Bree, go, go grab her. If we kidnap her, then the earth elemental won't hurt us because I'm thinking she's controlling him. Yeah. I didn't want to just say, you know, um, Cal's just charges in and does all this because that's, right. yeah. So I try to catch myself. A lot of times I don't. I think for me, I catch myself putting too much of me into the character, and I need to stop doing. I need more of the character to come up. Like, do you find you know, yourself doing that, Mickey? <laughs> do you do you play snarky characters, characters that are yeah. like you? <laughs> She's even mentioned that <laughs> in the podcast yeah. before. Like, uh, like all my other characters. Yeah. My yeah. characters are all wholesome and perfect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wholesome. Very. None of them are wholesome. A, a lot of quotes around that one. <laughs> a wholesome halfling. I feel like. If you have somebody who's showboating and if the other characters are getting, quote-unquote, annoyed by that or are resenting the lack of the spotlight, then they need to step up and do something to take the spotlight. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, if that spiraled out of control, that would be a problem. Yeah. But for the most part, you know, we're all adults here. We're all very aware of where the spotlight is pointed and we t- we tend to acquiesce to it. Like if Kurt, like we all got silent when Kurt did his flower bit. Yeah, you know, that like that story. was that was the spotlight that was on him. You know, and when he started talking about real estate and banking and stuff, he knew what he was talking about. Like, yeah. Okay, you talk. Tell yeah. us what's going yeah. on in the yeah. upstate. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that great. Was awesome. <laughs> but um, <clears throat> so another another piece of that, and Chris and I were talking about it a little before you guys got here. But one of the reasons I thought this would be an interesting episode. <laughs> Is that in reality, we know this, right? But in practicality, when you're sitting around a table with friends, especially when everyone thinks everyone else is having fun, it can be a lot more difficult to bring that up, to actually interfere with someone taking a spotlight. Because you're thinking, well, if I do that, then we're going to argue the rest of the session. And I mean, we've experienced this before. Um, JJ and I at somebody's house, we experienced that something that was an interruption during the session actually broke the group up. We didn't, wow. we didn't play again after that. And it, it followed, a, or immediately following this interaction was a three or four hour conversation about how we're all adults, but somehow we can't get over this. Um, <laughs> and so it was unfortunate. I, I wanted to approach it from that practicality. I know in reality we are indeed um, all adults sitting around the table, but it, it can take some time and for that matter, some personal courage to just step up and say, I want to play a little. Is that okay? Yeah. <laughs> right. I'm here too. Yeah. Um, so it can be difficult to do. And I agree with your point that as adults, we ought to be able to say it. But um, bringing that conversation up, broaching that topic, it can be difficult to do. So we thought maybe if we throw ideas out here, it might help people. But that was how we got yeah. kicked off. So I, I <laughs> definitely agree with that. What, so what about, JJ, when you're, um, as a GM, what do you catch yourself doing while you're GMing that you wish you could stop? But you keep doing it anyway. <clears throat> oh, um, honestly, I, I try to get more and more devious. Um, I try Mickey to... Mickey nods. <laughs> and I end up outsmarting yeah. myself. Like, I end up, you know, getting to the point where, like, I have this entire elaborate thing going on and 
you guys never do it. <laughs> and, you know, we talked about that before, too, about how, you know, you shouldn't expect a party to do something. Um, you should just let it happen. So let me take this in both directions with you. So, and I don't know if that completes your thought, but I'm going to interrupt. Sorry. Right. The, um, the idea that as a GM, you're finding yourself creating more and more elaborate schemes. Now, what do you wish your players would do at that point that you think you would do if you were See, a that's player? See, that's the problem is it's hard to communicate that without – it's hard to be organic with that. So it's what hard do you think to, your pl- if you had your perfect world, what questions would your players ask to get into your devious situation? And that and that really is the question. It's like, you know, the, the the question would be why are there four paths of Cheetos going down different directions? Because there's a gamer at the end of each one. Exactly, right? <laughs> like like I'm trying to lead them down different paths yeah. and I'm trying to entice them down different paths and um, I'm going to use our mancation, okay. the the Groundhog Day scenario, which was a whole lot of fun to GM. It was a couple of players, but off. like the players just were not getting yeah. it, and like eventually we had to say pause or time out yeah. as the GM and say, "Look, this is the Groundhog Day scenario." Oh, it all makes sense. Yeah. It's like it's like I don't we. Joe and I had no idea how much more obvious we, we could have gotten. We told him over and over again, it's still Thursday. Yesterday was Wednesday. It's Thursday. It's been that way for two weeks. Uh, oh, well, that's pretty obvious. <laughs> yeah. And, it, <laughs> and we used those words more than once, pretty much, for the last two weeks. They were said in English yeah. multiple times. Yeah. But, so yeah, it, 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 it's, it's, it's that. It's, and yeah. and th- those guys, everyone there is all, you know, professionals that are high up in their careers yeah. they're i would i would say they're all intelligent and it's sometimes there is that where a child would under get it and a, adult uh, an adult would, would yeah. overthink it a thousand times yeah. yeah so how do you how do you solve that overthinking how do you do sex machina but mm-hmm. without force feeding so when i'm a gm one thing that I do as a player that I wish more players would do is say, is there anything else here we need to know or do? Yeah. And I say it flat out. Yeah. Sometimes I yeah. wish people would just ask that yeah. so that I can say yes or no. What's important for us here? Yeah. yeah. What, do, yeah. what do you mean? And I'm not necessarily going to tell you what it is, but if you say, is there anything else in this scene we need to know? Mm. And I say no, well, it's true. I'm not going to lie to you about that, yeah. especially because we want to continue with the game. But that is one thing. When I'm a GM, I do wish players would ask that question when they feel they need to. When you're struggling yeah. at that location and you're, you're positive. I was saying this when you guys showed up. You, you find yourself in a player. You find yourself in a room that has a table and a fireplace. And I say, all right, I look under the table. I look in the fireplace and I look around the room. Do I find anything? And the GM says, nope, nope, and nope. Uh, okay, now then. what? Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I'm saying, so from a... GM perspective at that point was what I was saying is I would say I would lead I would say something like well you kind of notice one of the table legs is shorter than the other or maybe you should look up the chimney or something like that Uh, but as a player at that point I kind of wish that player would say well is there anything in this room because I was sure that this was central to the plot is there something here that I'm supposed to know and then a yes or no would let me know not necessarily what my next step is but how to even approach the space that I'm in, the situation. And that, that all comes down to communication, I mm-hmm. think. And that comes down to getting comfortable with your group and knowing how to communicate with the, the each, each individual in the group. Yeah. Like, you know, saying something to me might, you know, saying 
let's say sentence X to me might trigger my you know process of ooh there's something more in this room whereas you know Chris and Kurt just you know tune it out more, completely right. you know so it's 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 a matter of knowing how to and not not even that but as GM sometimes it's it's hard saying the right word at the right time it's hard remembering oh crap there was supposed to be something on the mantle so that they would know to tilt it to open mm-hmm. up the secret door why didn't i describe that yeah and it's a good point especially in or, or you did and they missed it sometimes too. yeah Which, and we mentioned the published yeah. adventure piece where some of those in in when you compare a published adventure which we do play substantially yep. here in the shed um compared to a freeform world which uh chris and i is normally what we do otherwise uh the idea that you can't monkey too much with a published adventure without necessarily ruining it. There might be pieces that can, sal- can be salvaged from scene yep. to scene, but then if you missed that piece and they never pulled that lever on the mantelpiece and they never found the Batcave, well, they're screwed because the Batcave is where the final scene happens, right? And so you've got to find a way to, to force that. So I agree with that, definitely. And there's no, you know, there's no going to BradyGames.com to look up the uh, walkthrough <laughs> of the campaign, you know? Like, it's, it's not like you can, uh, yeah. you can uh, yes. find the next story point in Final <laughs> Fantasy 22. Like Prima's ultimate guide to open world campaign. Right? <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I don't think that exists. Uh, um, what, what else can we think of? I mean, as far as that, it... it what I was thinking, the idea for this episode is DM and player wishes for the other side. What do you wish the other side of the table would do that you're pretty sure you would do when you're on the opposite side? I mean, just speaking on that last point, which yeah. he mentioned, with you, I find myself almost doing the same thing where you come up with this awesome you know, web of plot line and the characters are... And even if you drop, you drop a clue that somebody wasn't paying attention or you didn't reiterate to the right player characters so it would kick off and it might be something like you'd mentioned something before but they don't and then you've mentioned something new and then they don't tie that old piece back and that yeah yeah and then you're sitting there trying to figure out a way to like move the story along yeah it's the same thing i guess uh, yeah it's hard. definitely hard to tie plot points together when they're separated by time yeah that's a big right. tricky part especially here yeah because we don't separated play by consistent. a lot of time <laughs> yeah. Yeah. assistant yeah, yeah world I think the la- we'll be getting back into um, Dresden when we record later today, but the last time we played, I think, was a month ago. The it was at the beginning of this month. It's probably a better way to put it. It was right at the beginning of September of 2017, and we're recording again at the end of September. Yep. So it's been several weeks. And, and we'll be doing disparate things in between. We're recording the sidebar. We're going to put another episode onto Chris's game, and then we'll get back to Dresden, and then we'll have all that time in between and different things we're doing. And granted, we're an extremely talented group of individuals, um, but it's still difficult to do. Yeah. And honestly, that's why I feel uh, my progress reports will help. <laughs> yes. Just Ma- because... And make sure you use some of the, the Google Doc that I created for the okay. public information because yeah. you'll be able to grab stuff that we talked about at the beginning of this and throw it into the progress report. You know, um, Cletus started this way, Mora started this way, and has progressed to here. Yep. Right. So she no longer plays well with others because that's Mickey's character. <laughs> she doesn't put her toys away when she's done. Actually, I think she does. She probably, mm. She's probably good about putting her stuff away. But yeah... Um, and that's honestly, that's one of those things that it, it's a quirk of a character, but it, and it, it draws attention. It doesn't steal attention. It draws attention. 
And that, that's, that's probably another really good way to put it, the, the idea of the ball hog in the showboat. But um, drawing attention without stealing attention, I think, is another good way to word it, that every character at the table should have a memory that everyone else can recall of that character when you're done with any given session. Yes. If not, then that character didn't shine at all. There's got to be something during that session, cutting off the hand. There's got to be, like I was just mentioning with Kurt's character, Jamie. He knows all about the real estate stuff. He's old. Fa- uh, you know, you know what? You know what stuck out family. last last yeah. session for me was his word Overwatch. Yeah, like he was obsessed with the word <laughs> Overwatch. There you go. And and that to me that that's a good way to put it. That you're you're taking some of the the time to establish something else about your character. You make make a memory out of something that happened, and if if you can recall something about the, each character at the end of it, then each character had a, a shining moment. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. And what about... So let, let's go back to the idea of... We're all normally a GM, but we all play as a player here. Uh, when you're a player, what do you wish you would stop doing? Yeah, for me, it was that... Just get into yourself. Tend to, yeah, or not even that, like, well... If I was in this situation, what like you know, with the tactics, I'm like, well, I, I can't do that because my I mean, that character's not all into uh, that type of thing, you know. I love uh, the, and the. I dump that in too much. And a certain player, like with Kurt's spy thing, that yeah. works out, right? You know. Yeah. But for this, like, I'm playing this, you know, this priest that has a pass, so maybe he's not very tactically sound. Maybe he's more just rushing and start kicking in. He heads. is rushing. <laughs> yeah. Um. Well, yeah, just rushing and start like just pu- throwing punches. He just doesn't really want to think it through too much, you know. And, and there's a balance there. <laughs> what I was going to say that the balance, I really liked it when Chris was talking about how many rounds are in a magazine of this weapon that right. Mickey might want to carry. Yeah. And I mentioned, I want those full automatic little things that you see in the Matrix. Yeah. And you knew right what well, Mac right. 10 or whatever. You knew right what it was and how many rounds they would hold, unless you got the extended magazine. Right, yeah. And this conversation was definitely above the table, right? It was Chris telling Mickey about weapons. And that was really cool. But in character, that wouldn't have made as much sense. It, right? it could work a little bit because, uh, right. you know, with... And it hasn't come out yet, but right. you know a little bit more yep. about his past. Right. Where it could, that could make sense, he would know about weapons, you know. But it's neat to have both conversations, right? Yeah. So I get, I get your point though. From the character perspective, there are things you know that the character wouldn't, right? But then, I, I mean, I always go back to just the flip side of it, and one of the, the hardest things to work with is the character knows a lot of stuff that the player doesn't yet. I mean, realistically, yeah. Yeah. right? Right? Like, yeah, that's like, true. Your character is a priest. Yeah. What do you know about being a priest? I yes. mean. From the Vatican or anything yeah. of that type, other than what you may have read in the news or anything, what do you know about it? But your character realistically knows these yes, things. Yes, that's true. So it's, it's kind of a, a catch there. Yeah. Like that. What about you, JJ? What do you find yourself doing when you're a player that you wish you would stop? Separating um, character knowledge from game knowledge. Yeah. I, I really, really wish I was able to voluntarily induce amnesia on certain <laughs> things. Um, I get you. Yep. Because I, I feel like I do a good job getting into the character, I, but I have a bad job of shutting up the brain of JJ. Yeah. Um, so I always picture, in my head, I'm picturing you're strategizing what pieces of the game your character can use in the next step. Yeah. And is that what, kind of what you mean? You want to yeah, get like away I, from I that? Can't, I can't just act organically. Like... You know, I, I'm always looking at the bigger picture of, okay, what's going on? Why is Joe sending us down this rabbit trail? <laughs> you know, it's, it's yeah. and it's it's almost like, for lack of a better word, I think you and I talked about it in 4th edition way back when. 
is it's players versus the GM. Like, yeah. I'm trying to beat the game rather than play my character. Yeah. And that's, that's where I, I need to try to have more fun yeah. in that. Like, I think that that is why I haven't been able to enjoy Dungeon World. Yeah. Is because I'm always trying to beat the game, not point, play yeah. the character. And, and I think, and to that, we'll use this as another piece of that topic. Um, one of the things that you did with your character in Dungeon World a couple of times created memories that other people remember to the point posting on Facebook and etc. People loved the way Strong Dawn, it was all about curry, and what, right? So there were things that you did, the incense, and there were pieces you did that whether you did them as what you felt your character would do or out of frustration with rules or whatever it was, they were things that other people latched onto that were high points yeah. of those characters. And I think that, that to me, brings me to one of the things that, um, that I feel I could stop when I'm a player is almost the opposite. Sometimes I just rush forth with what the character would do without paying attention to what I was saying the character should know. My character, Calvin, should have known all his spells. No question about it. But all I cared about was he's a cleric of Palor, and it's all about light and fire. Yeah. So if I had the chance to cast a spell with light or fire, I didn't care if there was another one more useful. The character probably would have cared. <laughs> Joe didn't. <laughs> Joe didn't care about the rules. It was, can we use light or fire? Then do it. Yeah. <laughs> because I wanted to emphasize an aspect of the character. But the reality is he wasn't a stupid character. Yeah. If he knew that casting whatever spell would have been more beneficial... That character, what would the character do? Probably would have done that smart thing. Um, but there was, there, I have a hard time pushing myself into the rules in that way. I, I guess, I don't know if it's the opposite, but it's, it feels like the opposite of I'm paying less attention to the rules and probably my character and the party may suffer for that, but it brings a different aspect. Yeah. So I, I, sometimes I wish I could just stop myself, read over my spells, and because I mean, I went through it. You guys saw this in the shed. I had all my spells oh, yeah. taped along the side of the table, and I want to say it was close to the end of the Strahd campaign where I said, "Oh crap, I have that one," and it's been in front of me for twenty-eight hours. But yeah. all of a sudden, I'm realizing I have it. And I'm like, "Well, I could. That's a level one spell. I could have yeah. used that a long time ago." And there, there is one thing about me that I think I've done a better job at is uh, playing everybody else's character. Yeah, because Mickey tells you to shut up a lot. For a long time, <laughs> I would yeah. play everybody's character, and I'm sure people who are listening yeah. recognize that. I think you're shining there, as far as improvement, if you call it that. Um, in the Dresden Files Accelerated game, I think what helps is you haven't looked a lot at other people's sheets. And that may have been on purpose. But you don't necessarily know what other people have, which may be helping you to, to get there. And I think that's, that's pretty cool. I think that's a, that's a good thing. Because um, that, that's like for me, when I recognize I'm doing something I, 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 that I want to stop, then, and then I try and I usually suck at it. But that, that great place to, um, to talk about improvements. What would you do differently, Chris, as a, uh, as a player? Or maybe we'll keep the word wish in there. What do you wish you could do differently? <laughs> As a uh, player, or for that matter, as a GM. As a player, like, my big thing is just, you know, create a, maybe even create a player that's, you know, completely different from me. That a character. I'm kind of a character that I'm yeah. forced to really do something differently and not worry about, like, how I would, you know, process, what, you know, the scene. Yeah. You know, I, that's the biggest thing for me. 
I like just, I keep, I keep, even if I try to get away, I, I tend to see myself going back and uh, like putting yeah. myself too much. Yeah, you into end the up back as yeah. Chris the character. Because if you think about it, I mean, and granted, like the, the Jared character was kind of supposed to be a certain way, but if you go back and look at a lot of my characters, they're very similar. Yeah, where we they're kind of a low key kind of guy, like Simon from the spy thing, or mm-hmm. Mr. Joshua for he's, he's spy master. Yeah, these yeah. guys are very. They got a little bit of mystery about them, and they're they're not. Uh, I don't know. They're kind of like the calm guys, but they're they can. I don't know. It's, you need it's to interesting. Play, you need to play a hyperactive librarian. Yeah, something. I don't know. Yeah, we need. To, we 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 should play one one time yeah. where it's uh, the other players design your character for you. Yeah, that would be awesome. That could be neat. Yeah. And besides the jock guy, that was probably the only different guy. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't the the little Dresden. Because I mean, Mickey Mickey tends to play. She tried to play Noctress a lawful good. Goody two shoes. It's hard to do yeah. all, anyway. That's it is, very but hard. I mean, she typically plays the thug. You know, the shoot first, ask questions later type. Yeah. You know, but in that in that adventure, it lended uh, the character to that because a lawful good character in Strahd is a thug for good. <laughs> so it kind of fit. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So I mean, I I think I think getting somebody else's uh, creation. Might be point. enough to draw you completely out of your, yeah. especially your, your if comfortable can, niche. If they can put in personality traits that you yeah. have to follow, yeah. because that's yeah. a key piece. Yeah. I think we do definitely gravitate towards a certain personality. Yeah. Um, granted, I hardly ever play a character that's officially a bard, but I feel like that's what I end up playing. Some kind of character who's going to try and talk himself out of things rather than uh, confronting. Um, I tried to push that different with Calvin. I don't know how much it came off, but he was just Calvin, so that was a whole different different thing. But um, I think that's a, that's a good point. When we do some of the uh, the box adventures, those characters actually do have information about them. But I think typically we just gravitate towards the way we want to play them, not necessarily the way they were. Chris mentioned earlier that the D and D starter set characters they don't have a lot of detailed background, but there is a background on there, and um, I think actually Mickey might be the only one that stuck with her background. I'm not sure because I don't know all of them, but she had she had her background on there, and it was really that she was what I can't remember if it was an orphan or something, but she was a wayward child, got involved with bad things, and well, that's the way she played. Yeah. But that was natural for her, so it, it worked out. Um, I think for me, when we play like that, I think it would be pretty cool to have. The, um, the option of you design another player's character's personality and the challenge is for them to actually play that without, without I guess, devolving back to the yeah, usual definitely. character. That would be pretty cool, and that's something maybe we can try. I think we can call the campaign character police. Yes, <laughs> and we could each keep, uh, keep track of what each other, each other is doing. So we, we are close to the end, and Kurt just walked in. Kurt, say hi loud so it comes up on the microphones. Hey, everyone. Hey, Kurt. Um, we are, we're talking, Kurt, just so you know, we're talking this, ep- this sidebar, is about wishing what the other side would be doing. So essentially, DMs and players, what do you wish the other side would do that you think you do? So questions of like, um, when you're a player, what do you wish the GM would do that you would do if you were the GM? That kind of thing. Uh, have more balls, is that what you said? Fondle. Oh, okay. <laughs> ball fondlers. Well, we were talking about ball hogging. Which yeah, it could be that if you're the only one doing it, I suppose. Although we made it 
55 minutes before Kurt showed up to fondle testicles. That was yeah, great. That's pretty good. Um, but we're in, <laughs> we're in pretty good shape otherwise. See, like I say, everyone yeah. falls into their comfortable niches. Exactly. <laughs> Kurt, Kurt has a certain comfortable spot. We... Um, so do you have any thoughts with that, Kurt, that you just want to like do sign language and we can, we can say what it was? But, uh, so we're talking about things like, when you're a player, what do you catch yourself doing that you wish you could stop? Oh, JJ's going to hand you his microphone. Just put it up near your mouth. Or you can wear it. Either way works. But when you're a player, what do you catch yourself doing that you wish you could stop? Uh, I think one of the main things for me and a lot of players, um, we've talked about this before on some things, you know, I, and you probably talked about it, we tend to kind of devolve into humor, often well, actually, more juvenile humor. we didn't talk humor. about that, except when we brought up um, Thielen and how he never got into character because we felt like we humorized the Strahd campaign yeah. and that didn't help. It's tricky. But we didn't talk about it specifically. Go well, for it. When I think about people like listening to us, sometimes I'm like, man, like, this is all inside jokes and like junior <laughs> high humor and why would anyone want to <laughs> listen to this? Yeah. And I'm torn because... On the one hand, we're a group of friends getting together and just have a good time. Like that's the point of why, we, or or that's a major part of why we play. And obviously, we are having a good time doing that, yeah. or we wouldn't do it. But I also think it's a crutch. I think sometimes we step up to the line of like, my character should be doing something real here, or difficult, or challenging, or that's hard for me to role play. But it's easier to make a joke about you know dungeon porn or right. testicles. Yeah, especially speaking of like the you know the Curse of Strahd. I mean, you're in. It's a evil place, and yeah. you should be frightened right. for these things. And nobody really plays their characters as being scared. Right. And, and if you've got four players, all it takes is one of the four in that moment to have the reaction of, I'm going to crack a joke, yeah. and then we all go. And again, I'm not, I'm not saying it's bad, but I do think that's something that sometimes as a player, I'd be like, I'd like to play a campaign where we really are 100% in our character, and if our character wouldn't joke about dungeon porn, then I'm not going to say something about it. Um, we also made it 57 minutes before Dungeon Born. <laughs> right, Thank right. you. Or, or, you know, whatever. Yeah. I mean, we each have our, you know, yeah. Mickey so joking about shoes or Mama needs shoes well, or you know, whatever. Give you, like, let's give you a moment to extrapolate on that. So now let's say you're a player in that situation um, and you see all this stuff going on and you look across the table and the GM is there. What do you wish the GM would do that you would have done if you were GM? I don't know that the, I don't know that the, and again, I'm just totally thinking because I walked in on this cold, yep. but um, that's why I don't it's know great the, to put you right on. DM can solve that problem. I think that has yeah. to be a group decision to not say. A, not a solution, but what could be, what could help. Right. Um, well, sometimes you do it, which I like, which is you'll either say like inside voice, outside voice, <laughs> or, you might, yeah. or some DMs might say, you know, uh, did Tielen <laughs> say that or did Kurt say that? Yeah. Because that brings you back to, hey, you're not really role-playing your character right mm-hmm. now. And some players will take the hint and some won't. Yeah. And again, some groups may not want to play that way at all. They may want to you know, have that humor, the meta humor, or the between-the-players humor. But I do think sometimes it'd be fun to try to not do that yeah. um, when appropriate. Yeah. Um, Unless, now having said yeah, that, yeah, if so. your character is a goofball... Uh, well, or has a funny trait like always yeah. eating curry, and yeah. you're playing that up or go paler. That's awesome. I, yeah. That's not a problem at all. It's when you, ca- for me, when you kind of step out of the character, right. and I'm criticizing myself more than anyone else, and it <laughs> takes you out of the role playing. Right. And, and that's really part of uh, of the idea of this episode. What would you stop doing if you could? Right. That type of, so maybe you stop. No, if you could stop talking about dungeon porn, <laughs> would you? Right. And from right. the DM's perspective, I think you know. Uh, I mean, there's a few things. One, you can if something if if a player's playing a way that's not helpful, you can shift the focus away from that player in the How moment. How would you do it? 
Well, like in the dungeon the world, yeah. you would often say, you know, Chris, what is, uh, or Kurt, what is Truk doing right now? Yeah. You know, and then you, you know, if you have at least one or two players who are in tune to what's happening, then they'll run with it. And, okay. and, but again, you have to have a group where at least most of the people want to go a certain way. Cool. Um, all right, so let me just recap what we were talking about and see if we have any last thoughts. So again, I, I know I just did this a few moments ago when Kurt joined us, but the idea here is wishes for the other side. When you're a DM or player, what do you wish the other side would do? So when you're a player, what do you wish the GM would do that you would do? Same thing vice versa with the, um, the GM and the player. And then when you're un- in either role, what, is, what do you catch yourself doing that you wish you could stop? Um, so that, that's the idea of what we've approached today on this sidebar. Any last thoughts? I assume you talked about uh, responding to the Dungeon Master's emails and, no. well, uh, and we being did prepared talk, for the game. <laughs> we talked about that in a group, there are people who want to participate in between sessions and people who don't care to, both of which are acceptable. But for the people who want to, there are ways to take advantage of that. Right. So you could um, come up with scenarios in between that you and the GM can collaborate on. And right. with that, you can create some advantage within right. the game. I do think one thing as a player I sometimes wish that my GM uh, might do was maybe set a clear expectation for what the prep for the game is going to be. Mm-hmm. So it's either I want you to listen to the prior episode or I want you to listen to the last 15 minutes of the prior episode or you know, come prepared with your spells leveled up, which, you know, we're adults. We should know that. But it actually, I think, yeah. to some degree, the DM is the leader there. And if you just get an email that says, you know, I want you to show up at noon and have these three things done. Yeah. And if three of the four players do it and the one guy doesn't, eventually he learns or she learns her lesson. Or they quit. Or they quit, yeah, which is also either. probably fine. <laughs> so, anyways, you probably want to wrap and, it up. Any so other thoughts, quiet. Chris? No, I, I mean, speaking about that whole, you know, you could work on things out of game as well, to, you know, whether it's your character or, or the GM, you know, maybe sending an email with a couple lines of like, hey, this is what we're going to be getting into next time. Yeah. So the players just think about it. You know, it doesn't have to be very active, but it's, it's you know, that little seed's been planted, you know, and maybe when, when we start the game and they... they have an idea for something I already prepared. JJ, any other thoughts? Um, not really. I think I've yeah. pretty much said everything I wanted to say. Then let me um, let me throw out there. Oh, Kurt just raised his hand. All right, that's good then. Um, <laughs> let me throw out there that as a GM, sometimes I wish players would actually read those emails I send out. All right. So <laughs> yeah, you may want the GM to send them. The GM wants you to read them. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, and I, I, but to be fair, that's a great idea. Regardless of the game, whatever communication you are using as a group, use it. It's really that simple. And if you don't have a form of communication, create it so that you can address these problems. If you're only talking at the table, then make sure you set aside time to bring these things up so that you can talk about them at the table. Set aside five minutes at the beginning or the end or both of every session. Right. Say you don't communicate through uh, table talk at that point, set up the email. You've got your email group. Set up your text group, your SMS group. Make sure you have something together where you are communicating with your players and your GM, and it has to be about what you guys are doing as people don't just make it about the game because as people we need to know who's available when they can prepare if they can prepare what they're going to be ready with heck who's bringing the snacks who's bringing the drinks whatever it is that communication is important to try and overcome all of these things we brought up today jj you look like you have an idea yeah um i, I do have an idea and it's it kind of expounds on that like i as a gm i wish my players would prepare more 
as a player, I wish that I could live up to that expectation. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I think that is a perfect way to end this. Thank you, James. Um, And and for that, we can all say, Kurt, you have to say it louder. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. The preceding podcast was brought to you by One Joe Young. You can find us online at adventuresfromtheshed.com.